Welcome back to the League Series. Look at round 23 of the NRL season. I'm AJ Luke Antonio with League Guide Limited and Stats Perform. Joining me as always, the man with the news from 2SM, it's Reese Sullivan. G'day, Reese. G'day, g'day, AJ. How are we? Not too bad at all. We had a big week. My Roosters won, your Broncos won. We're going to be pretty happy on that front. Uh, we will be talking all things footy today. We've got NRL, NRLW, an extended lower grade report because one. Ryan Pappenhausen returned with the Sunshine Coast Falcons this week. We're going to dissect all of the juicy stuff to come out of the Sunshine Coast game. Reese and a fair bit of drama on the officiating front. Yeah, a little bit of uh, chaos. Seems like the NRL has put out a new memo. And as a result, we had a couple of, you know, controversial moments this weekend. So I'm sure we will discuss that all in this podcast. We sure will, and we're going to kick off where the drama began on Thursday night. Roosters 26, Manly 16. Now, I am really happy with this effort from the Chooks. We had a big day. 2013 side were there. Well, most of them were there. Uh, had a couple in England. I think Sam Mull was in France. Uh, but it, really exciting to have all the boys back in town. Uh, some really good individual efforts. Suali'i outstanding. I thought Tedesco was pretty solid as well. Uh, Tupo, big out of yardage. But a couple of blokes I want to focus in on that I don't think have gone the raps they deserve. Billy Smith, for one. Very consistent game from him. But also, Reese, I'm confident to say this. I think the Roosters have found their Boyd Corn the replacement. Do you? I, I'm very confident in CY Wong. Okay, what, what makes it say that? Effort in the middle. Outstanding. He only had the nine runs, had a try controversially taken away from him. 55 tackles, mate. Okay. I can see what you're saying, yeah. Like, I, I, still think, I still think it's a bit early. I think he is still, you know, pretty raw. But I definitely see the potential. Yeah. I mean, and I will say, it was his first game starting on an edge. So I definitely get that argument that, yeah, maybe I may be jumping the early crow there. But it was his first game as a pure edge. We've been playing him in the middle in his first couple of games in first grade. Um, Butch was really good. Nat was good. Uh, Terrell May was good in limited minutes. Uh, Drew Hutchison. Now, <laughs> funny story with Hutch. Um, I was not expecting much of him. I was expecting a bit of a disaster. But a 40-20 controlled the game really well for Luke Keary and did his job, I thought. I mean, Hutch at halfback is very, very different to Hutch at centre. Um, so, yeah, it's just more of his just natural sort of game, being able to just step up when the team needs him rather than trying to have to create something out wide when the ball gets to him. And like you said, that's the type of player that Luke Heary thrives off, uh, being able to be next to a halfback that's just going to control the tempo of the game and then be able to take chances like the 40-20. Yeah, 100%. Great to see see that sort of thing. But obviously, going into next season, I don't know how many chances Touch will get at halfback. So, you know, who knows? This could have been a bit of an audition for a couple other clubs out there. Yeah, of course, off contract at the end of the year. Another man off contract at the end of the year that uh, entered the headlines for all the wrong reasons in this one, Nathan Brown. Um, <laughs> 30 seconds he lasted on there, which 
He lasted 30 seconds. Some people, again, would be proud yeah, not proud of it. For, no, for some people, they'd be happy. But, um, look, live, hand on heart, I thought it was a send-off. But with what we've seen over the course of the weekend, what we've seen been put in the sim bin, what we've seen sent off, what we've seen just ignored altogether, now I'm second-guessing. Like, that, we, set, we had the standard set with... Brown's dismissal. We'll get on to the other ones later, but that's the standard set for the weekend. I'm not too sure where the officiating is going. I kind of thought Ashley Klein lost control on Thursday night. It was a 15-6 penalty count. He gave 13 set restarts away. Roosters conceding 7-6. to six. Um, 20 errors. So it was the definition of scrappy football, but... This is the game's number one referee. This isn't your Peter Goffs, your lower average referees. This is considered the best of the best. Well, Aren't you, you alarmed? Yeah, you'd think if it's the best of the best making that call to send off Nathan Brown. I know it was probably made by the bunker, but Fine was the one who stuck with it. Mm-hmm. You have to think that's the standard for the rest of the competition, at least for the rest of that weekend. But what we saw completely goes against that. Yeah, like, the decision to send off, I'm happy to live with it. If it was consistent from game on game on game, which clearly it hasn't been. And it's clearly been an issue season long. Sorry, I'll catch you off there. Yeah, it's all good. If that's the standard, it's a good standard because it's a player deliberately running out of the line looking to put a big shot on in the shoulders. Regardless of if the player is ducking into the tackle or not, the play, the defensive player is giving up that element of that little bit of bubble protection by going for the shoulders anyway. The tackle zone's bad. Yeah, exactly. It's a bad play, bad defense, and it's going to lead to injury. Mm-hmm. Ben so Burbo, if, very lucky. Yeah, so if you're going to turn around and say, all right, from now on, this will be a send-off. Okay, perfect. I'm on board with that. But it mm-hmm. needs to be consistent across all eight games every weekend. Exactly right, my friend. But the Roosters have fought a very good victory. Uh, one that they needed to establish themselves, I think, for this run into the semis. They can make it. Whether they will is left to be determined. Uh, on a manly, what the fuck was this? Like, what was that? I was expecting them to come into the cricket ground and roll us through the middle. But Matt Lodge went early. Sifley and Olakawatu carried the load. Bullimore did as well. Uh, but just defensively, they were all over the shop, weren't they? Especially on the edges. I think we're seeing once again the consequences of Manly giving all this money to Tom Tobojevic. Because obviously, yes, he is a great player and he does deserve the salary he's on. There's no denying that. But if he's not playing, that's such a large chunk of Manly's salary cap tied up to one player. Mm-hmm. And they just lack the depth. If they have a couple players go down, like Alloway last week, and now you add in Matt Lodge tearing his ACL, mm-hmm. all of a sudden their forward depth is tested at the level. They just can't sustain because they don't have the money to bring them in. That's a big reason why the two Farnu brothers are off to the Tigers next season. Manly just don't have that money 
to compete with these teams with just larger pockets who can afford to take the young talent. I mean, add in... another example, Manly turning around last season because they couldn't squeeze in Marty Tapau. He goes up to Brisbane. He becomes an integral player in that team that's second on the ladder. Imagine if they still had him. Be a different situation altogether. And you also got to add in the fact that their best forward this year, in my opinion, Paseka, did his MCL against Cronulla. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's a, been far and away their best forward. Yeah, this has been a shocking end of the season injury-wise for the, uh, for the Sea Eagles. And it's shown some of the weaknesses that Anthony Seabolt is going to have to work through if he's going to build this team into a finals contender. At the same time, though, this is all stuff that Des Hasler went through last season. He went through a very similar phase of injuries. Not as extreme, but he did go through injuries. He got the blame for that. Mm-hmm. Now, Manly, they aren't known to be very trigger-happy when it comes to coaches. But especially now with Flanagan leaving, do you think there might be a little tap on the shoulder to see Seabold and say, hey, if you do that again, if this happens again next season, we will be reviewing your employment? Uh, they'll be tapping the shoulder and say, Anthony, we're looking through the list of players that are owned by my Isaac and we're sending them to you effective immediately. Yeah, that's that too. That too. <laughs> that too. Uh, but as, as, long, as long as they don't touch Katoni Stags this week. <laughs> All good, mate. All good. <laughs> uh, but again, I just thought edge wise they were gashed. Parker and Cole are both missed five tackles. Jason Saab had a mixed night. I thought the Roosters really targeted him uh, really well. But they're in a precarious position at the moment. They've got to really pull their fingers out. They want to play finals footy. Uh, where, where are they on the ladder currently? They are on 25 points. So they're one point behind Cowboys, Parramatta, South. But remember, they've got a buy in play with the Cowboys having their buy next week. So they're effectively four games behind the pace, essentially, at the moment. So with that in mind, is their season done with Manly, with Penrith and the Wars in coming weeks? I think this and this talk. I think if they don't, if they were going to make the eight, this was the game they had to win, especially with North Queensland dropping points and Parramatta. I'm oh, sorry, not Parramatta and the uh, Rabbitohs as well. And the Rabbitohs, yeah. This was the game that if they won this, all of a sudden, completely different situation. They're inside the eight, and you're looking at them going, okay, if they could find a way to win out now, they're in. Mm-hmm. But now. The Cowboys, now that they've got that Broncos game out of the way, their run home looks a lot better, especially if the Panthers do rest their players like they did last year in round 27. Yep. With South Sydney, obviously, we know how good of a team they can be if they can turn it on. Big if there. Big if, obviously. We'll discuss that in a couple of games' time. I just question, even if Manly win out, Will those two teams drop another game? Big question marks. There we have, yeah. my friend. But moving on, uh, Warriors 28, Titans 18. Uh, first of all, that first 20 minutes, <laughs> that is one of the wildest opening 20 <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. Ben Cummins lost control in a very cook pressure cooker situation relatively quickly. 
And it also showed how the foul play crackdown, or mini crackdown, that doesn't want to be called a crackdown, affected play this week. We had a challenge on a high tackle from Chris Randall. That was only deemed on report, but replays may have suggested otherwise. And then a couple of minutes afterwards, you had Mo Fodawake and knock Nickel Clockstar out of the game. He was sent off. Are we happy with that dismissal? Uh, I think that was it was the worst tackle in the round one, personally. I agree. Uh, so, yes, again, if you're going to be consistent with it, that has to be a send-off. And then they got... And then this is where I think the bunker's a little bit misconstrued. So, near Corey got binned for a slap. I was listening back to the audio yesterday, and yeah, there was a bit of conjecture, because you thought David Fafita should have gone as well, correct? Yeah, correct. They called that a face push. Not a face slap. I listened back to the audio, listened back to it twice to make sure I wasn't mishearing uh, Casey Badger, but she called it a face push, not a slap. Well, all I'm going to say that is if you put your hands to a player's face in that situation, it should be a sin Yeah, David Fafita did end up crossing to give the tie to 6 0 lead, but the second coming of Sean Johnson. Blew the wires apart. Blew, sorry, didn't blow the wires apart. It kept the wires together. It blew the Titans out of the water. We need to seriously charge Nathan Brown with some crimes against humanity. How good is George Johnson? Well, the question everyone should be asking right now, is he... Good question. I, I think he is. Because I think you take a look at uh, the Broncos and Panthers, they probably have players taking points off each other. Like, Payne Haas and Reese Walsh aren't scoring six points every game. For the Cowboys, they probably... A bunch of players going six points in, in a, a majority of games. Whereas mm-hmm. the Warriors, there'd probably only be a handful of times where the Warriors have won and someone other than Sean Johnson's walking away with the most points in that thing. Nine times out of ten, you're probably right there. They did also have a try taken off the board for obstruction, but it's just good to see SJ back playing some quality footy. Yeah, exactly. It's been something we miss. Um, Obviously, that stretch of Canola, he was great, but probably a bit underrated. And then, obviously, last year with the Warriors, we were really critical of him. Really, you know, his performance just didn't meet the standards we expected. Mm-hmm. But it's been excellent to see this revival of him. He's become revitalized. I think being able to have another trial has really just you know, brought him back to that level where he's just enjoying the game again. Yeah. No, no, Andrew Webbs has probably been a massive part of that as well. Coach of the year for mine. Yeah. Well, I said, unless, the, unless the Warriors had some massive collapse, he'd be the coach of the year. I'd give it to him regardless. Like, the Wires were the laughing stock last year. You look at the work he's done, like, just to give them confidence where... 
Rugby league at the moment is thriving in Auckland. This hasn't been a movement that's happened there probably since, let's be honest, 2002. Because you've got to remember 2011 when they last made the grand final, New Zealand just won the Rugby World Cup. So it's a bit overshadowed there. So I, I think that definitely this is the highest point New Zealand Rugby League has had in quite some time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, it's been an excellent couple of weeks for New Zealand, obviously, in terms of sport. They've had the Women's World Cup. They had the All Blacks come and beat the Wallabies again in the Blazers' Cup. Mm-hmm. But it feels like, certainly, the Warriors are the main show right now for the, for the island. So, Indeed. excellent to see. Uh, they still held their own, though. You know, when Nickel Clockstar went off, I thought, I told Picky was good at the back. Uh, they held off a determined Titans charge. You had Joe Stimson go over for that try off, t- off the grabber kick from uh, Campbell. And then you had Jaden Campbell take the 100-meter pick six. Well, this is an interesting question for the Titans to answer going forward, isn't it? It Campbell is one. Brimson. Campbell versus Brimson. Obviously, it looks like Brimson might be out for the rest of this season with an oblique he picked up. But, you know, going forward, Des Hasler, has he sent the message that he wants to see Jaden Campbell play in fullback? I think there's got to be that part of it too, but also that consultation with Jimmy Lenahan, I think, is very important during this little transition uh, phase. I think it's very important to have that consultation there. But the question is, they've just paid a big... Uh, they've paid decent enough money for Shop to be a centre. Brian Kelly, I believe, is just extended as well. So, and then you've also got outside backs. I think Jojo Fafita, Cam Amalo, still playing Q-Cup. Uh, who else is there? There's other players there. Tom Pereira as well. Tom Pereira's earned his starting spot for me. He and Sami are their wingers for the next couple of years. It's an interesting predicament they've got coming up with this outside back depth. You mentioned Khan Pereira as well, but I really believe that Campbell's got to be the fullback going forward and you've got to have AJ as a roaming centre. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how moving to centre would impact Brimson's career. Obviously, he has represented Queensland at fullback a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if you look at his utility value, you've got to wonder, you know, it's worthwhile to at least have a look, don't you think? There was this, this came about last year too. I think the idea was mentioned, but we slammed it straight away. But, and I think too, when, with the way the Titans have been playing at the moment, Randall's been doing a suitable job. Aaron Clark seemingly found a home at 13. And, I think that there's no real point trying to do a utility value there. But for the Warriors, 18 all, the game was up for keeps, but they picked up two late tries in the last sort of 10 minutes of play to seal a victory and move back inside the treasured top four. And with their run home, a home final could beckon if things go their way. They would need the Broncos to lose out, though. Stranger things have happened. Yes, true. True. <laughs> true. 
Anything else to touch on this game, my friend? Uh, no, I think we're good to go. Good to move on to Blue Bet Stadium in Penrith. It was a 26-6 victory for the Penrith Panthers in this one. Uh, these Panthers just have no chill, don't they? They have been <laughs> on a rise like none other, and they're well on their way to that third premiership in a row. Well, I think they're certainly on their way to a third minor premiership in four years. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves with the October stuff yet. Um, it's called jinxing. <laughs> Uh, but yes, so another very, very dominant outing for the Panthers. That's back-to-back weeks now where they were going up against opponents where you sort of question how, how much of the Panthers are going to show their hand here. And they've just come out and suffocated them. They have, haven't they? And I think Nathan Cleary, again, the star of the show, two line break assists, two try assists. Zach Hosking at centre, hello. How good did he look out there? <laughs> Well, yeah, um, I mean, with the Broncos losing Kirby Farnworth, I wonder if we're going to come to regret not having Zach Hoskins to come play center. <laughs> but, look, really good signs for Penrith for me. Uh, I'm loving Moses Leoda and that impact role off the bench, swapping and interchanging with Lindsay Smith. I think that's a good decision by Ivan Cleary there. Uh, Eisenhoof is a goer off the bench. He had just over... 100 metres in his 28 minutes. Um, Martin Good on an edge. Sorensen's found a home there as well. Uh, Luai, we'll touch on the other stuff in a moment, but there's just nothing. Also, I just want to make this point. Dylan Edwards, 13 runs for 82 metres. A season low. And they still walk away with a 20-point win. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a season low for Dylan. Yeah, first time this season he has failed to crack 100 metres. I'll have to go a little bit deeper to see if that's the first time in a while he hasn't cracked that milestone. But, yeah, a bit surprising there with Dylan. It's fallen off. It's over. <laughs> it's, it, it's Dylan at Wover. The next stop is Central. <laughs> Allied here for Sydney train. Um, no, no. In all seriousness, it's going to be a very interesting to see in the finals what what teams will try to exploit as Penrith's weakness because we have every team has one. Mm-hmm. Every team has a weakness. Every team has an Achilles heel that more often than not will rear its ugly head during finals time. Yes, Penrith have barely showed theirs this season. I think there's been a couple of games where you can look at with the Panthers and say, well, maybe they weren't at their best in this area. Maybe this area let them down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But there hasn't been some out-and-out weakness where you could sort of look at that and go, this is going to cost the Panthers a game. I think the only thing they have to fear at the moment is themselves. Bit of complacency. Mm. That's the only thing I can see across the board for Penrith. And it just shows you that, like... They could rest everyone in the final round again. And they could still yeah. beat the Cowboys. Yeah, um, well, they'll have to... Well, that could cost them a minor premiership if, if, if the Broncos don't cost... They're dropping off a game. So, they I have to be wary of that. I think they'll be that situation closely. Like, if, they, if it's guarantee, I guarantee you that they'll rest. If it's not guarantee, they're going to come out guns blazing at home. Let me see... 
what that round 27 schedule looks like quickly, just in terms of the logistics with naming teams. Um, You're on Thursday yeah, night. Definitely, Thursday night. So I expect they will stack the reserve with debutants. Mm-hmm. And the moment that result is decided, Penrith will make a decision of whether a bunch of players are getting their debut or if they're running their best 17. Yeah. Mav died to boo final round? Surely, at home. Surely. Uh, but Surely. On a Melbourne, yes, acknowledge the elephant in the room. Jerome Hughes and Xavier Coates are out. For the most part, I thought George Jennings was quite good in his 7-8 minutes. Had that grabber kick set up for the young tournament payer try. But we need to stop the Tyron Wishart on the wing experiment. Like, what the fuck? I'd genuinely rather put Jack Holworth on the wing. The Tyler Wishart. Like, if you're going to experiment with something, do that. Or, or you move Tonema Payer out to the wing and play Eisenhoof at centre. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Bellamy's overthinking a lot this season. I think he's trying to overcompensate for that loss of Pappenhausen. And as a result, He's gotten really cute with how he builds his 17 week in, week out. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but so far, it hasn't hurt them too much. Obviously, they're still sitting, looking like they will, well, assuming they beat Canberra, they will be in the top four. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll go from there. What do you think they do with pa- I mean, we'll touch on it in the lower grade report. What do you think they do with Pappenhausen? Did I give him another week in Cup to play 80? And then bring him back in, or what do you think the best approach is? I think they certainly have to look at him going on the bench sooner rather than later, because they need an impact player. I think. Do you just think? Uh, I just think it's too soon. Like, I think it's I think it's too soon as well. I think he needs to play eighty minutes in reserve grade before he can look at a first grade spot. Yeah, I I hundred percent agree there on that front. I just think that. If we do rush here, there's a risk of re-injury, particularly, or not re-injury, a risk of adversely impacting not only Melbourne's season, but his confidence as well. Yeah. That I thought Melbourne in the middle, they were beaten up quite badly. Uh, a couple of silly offloads that led to that try. I think the Crichton try on halftime in particular, oh, sorry, the Luai try on the 27th. You had that stupid... Offload from Welsh. In their own end, they're coming out of yardage. It's been a competitive game. It's six all. That offload turns the tide, and Penrith ran away with it. Again, it's just very unnerving. Like it's come up often this season. Let me tell you, but it'll be mm. interesting to see how that impacts them. They are in fourth spot at the moment. Of course, they have that significant plus one hundred and fifty. 149, actually 147 for and against point advantage over Canberra. But they do have a match against Canberra. That'll be very so that, for and, that for and against is not as much worth as much as some other teams. We will see, my friend. Moving on. Brisbane 30, North Queensland 14. The match of the round really disappointed for me. Um, <laughs> Look, Kyle Felt bombed a try in the opening minutes. Uh, some good defence from Tony Staggs. Uh, Brisbane ran up the other end. They scored through Jesse Arthurs. 
They also made some mistakes down the other end of the field. Kyle Phelps responded after Reese Walsh put a bomb down. But Brisbane, I thought, were guilty of bombing two chances to three. add to that lead. Three. In the first 20. Yeah, three. He had Flegler run and not pass to Ezra. Yeah, that's right. You had Piakura run and pass too late to Katoni, who dropped it. Yeah. And then you also had Herbie try to go himself and get held up. Ah, that's right. My bad. All good. All good. And then you had Kyle Phil drop the ball, slow peel, and Paddy Carrigan's found the try line again. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's coming for Irvine's record. That's a try a game over the last fortnight. He keeps this up. He's going to get to 212 before you know it. <laughs> he's coming. He's coming, Ken. Forget Alex Johnston, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> but there was no... Uh, sorry, the Cowboys attempted a penalty goal in halftime. It was 12-6 at that point. Sides exchanged penalty goals before Wham Bam, Ezra Mam went over in the 52nd minute. Kyle Felt did respond. Should have had another in a bit of contentious circumstances towards the end of the game. But Reese Walsh sealed it. With a salute to the heavens in a tribute to his late uncle who passed away this week. Send our love to Reese. And Selwyn Cobo capped off the game with that late intercept, didn't he? Yeah, just he always has to find his way on the score sheet. One way or another. Even with a pick six. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, just a very clinical second half from the Broncos. Uh, in some trying circumstances with a few injuries. Um, obviously, you had uh, Jesse Arthur's Category 1 concussion symptoms. Let's talk about you that had... quickly. Yeah, let's talk about that quickly. While we're talking about inconsistencies, we had Jerome Luai get put on report for an incident which looked like he jumped into a shoulder charge on a Sofa Solomona. That got completely pushed aside and he only got fined. Because it was deemed grade one, yet the others were grade, grade two. And then you had Granville make contact to the head. He got $1,500 fine, was it? Yep, grade one, $1,500 fine, but no penalty, not placed on report. And, it, and means, I'm not going to say robs the Broncos of activating the 18th man, but. Yeah, yeah. They didn't allow the Broncos to run on the eighth man, which to be fair, this was the first time in a very in a little while where we haven't had Dean Mariner as the eighteenth man. So we would have been putting we would have been putting Jordan Ricky on. Um which oh, maybe you were yeah. saved. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> but put, put pretty pretty Ricky on the wing. Let's see how that works. Yeah, he might get over for a try. Um <laughs> but Good performances from Haas in the middle. Capewell, Piakura, Carrigan, outstanding. Uh, Palacia ran for over 100 metres on the bench. Wilson, good. He had three runs, 52 metres. Uh, defensively, a couple of shaky moments. Um, interestingly, that Smoothie played out for Billy. Yeah, it's been a very interesting hooker rotation these last few weeks. I think Kevin Walters really trying to look at what works heading into the finals. Uh, and I thought Tyson really did bring a bit of calmness to the team. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think Billy did particularly bad in his stint. 
but I do feel like Tyson won that battle. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens next week, whether he goes back to the more 40-40 we saw against Sydney, whether it's going to be Billy getting the 60-20 like we saw against South Sydney, Six with the Tyson 60-20 that we saw this weekend. Yeah. Uh, on the Cowboys real quick. Um, their first real litmus test in a while. Some good signs there, but they really miss Val Holmes and Jeremiah Nene in the side. Um, I don't get Cohen Hess's involvement when in 49 minutes he has six runs of the football. And you have a bloke in there like Keelam Lukey that has nine runs in half an hour. Just questioning that effort a little bit there. I think you're spot on with that. Like we've said that for a while now. Uh, Griffin Neem, I really love on the bench. I thought he was quite strong. But speaking of Griffins, how was your first Anthony Griffin commentary experience? <laughs> well, the good news is we don't, have, we don't actually have stand in the newsroom, so I wasn't listening. Oh, thank Oh, you lucky bastard. <laughs> you lucky. You just saw his name come up on the comms bar and I'm like, oh, thank Christ. I, I said a prayer that day. <laughs> I'm not a religious man, but I said a prayer that day. <laughs> uh, does the 67% completion rate concern you? Cut out on my end. completion rate concern you? A little bit, but at the same time, you have to take into account that we were doing that without Adam Reynolds. So, you know, Fair we enough. didn't have, yeah, we didn't have that guy just conducting the orchestra, calming the troops down. So, that's intense. 7 2 penalty count against you. That's going to be the only other knock I have against you. What do you make of that? Was obviously a little bit concerning, but discipline's never been our strongest suit this season. Um, I do obviously worry a little bit, though, uh, especially if we go up against teams like the Panthers and Storm. That could kill us. <laughs> so fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Newcastle 30, Dolphins 28. Uh, the Dolphins blew a big lead. I'm not too sure what the lead was. I think it was 22-10. So 22-12. Their lead was 22-12, they blew race. Yes. Um, and, well... It should have been four tries for Zarko, but Tavari decided not to give the tra- charity bar and go himself. <laughs> he was um, going to pass it. Yeah, exactly. He was going to, and he chose not to. Um, but, yeah, it was a, a great comeback by Newcastle, really the first time in this run of form they've had, and they've had their backs to the wall during the game. And they responded to it really well. Came out of the halftime break, like bullying, trying to chop, trying to shop, uh, and just 
really took the game by the scruff of the neck and kept it away from the Dolphins. And they got through the Greg Marju disaster class okay. Yes. Um, happens every now and then, just like Manu Vardre. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to laugh at it. Like, some of the things that Greg Marshu does, like, he does all the good stuff. And then he slips over in defence, gets out left by Osako, drops sitters. What else did Greg do? Not much. That's the big thing. Not much. He did score the game ceiling try in the 69th minute. Oh. Yes, but it was put on a fighter for him. Shouldn't even have been his strike. He still had a lot of work to do. Stepped inside one, scored. The counts for something. Still... They all count for tries, mate. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> um, for the Knights, I was impressed with Saifidi up front. Uh, they did well. In the period, Lockie Fitzgibbon went to the bin. As I say that, I look at it again. They conceded two tries. No, they did yes. not. Three tries. They did not do good in the period at all. Fucking hell, AJ. But, look, I think this is a really confidence-boosting win for the Knights to improve. We could go down by a little bit, but we could still come back. We can outscore you no matter what. And, again, shows the prowess of how stupid... And how smart Adam O'Brien is in the same sentence. Because he made that big hoopla at the beginning of the year about, oh, KP's our six. Didn't work. Was stubborn about it for months on end. Put him back to fullback. And what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, he's close to the best fullback in the comp. Yeah, it's the question. Obviously, you know, the concussion at the start of the year did hurt KP throughout, throughout the start of that season. But... Would the Knights be in this position where they've only just managed to get back into a top eight spot if KP is out of the year fullback? Oh, I'm not going to say that because otherwise that discredits the good work Lockie Miller did over the first few months of the season. And of course, obviously, you also in that vein have to give credit to O'Brien for realising that Miller had gotten stale and it just wasn't going to be able to work out long term and make the call to put KP back at fullback. Yeah, you've got to give me flowers there, I think, 100%. Uh, for the Thins, Asako grabbed himself 16 points. Teifane looks more and more like a first grader. As far as running the football defensively, there's still a couple mishaps there. Uh, I thought their starting middles were beaten up. Bromwich only had five runs for 62. Nichols, eight for 94. SASA and Kerr came on. I thought provided a bit more impact and a bit more spice. Same with Jared Wallace, for that matter. And it begs the question that this dad's army that we've spoken about in Redcliffe might be starting to see the end of the line. Yeah, I think... um... Really, obviously, the Dolphins need to have a succession plan in place, not just for Wayne Bennett. I know they already technically have one in place for him. Mm-hmm. But also, when the guys like the Brummages, the Kafusi, Wallace, when they all go and retire, they need to have people come in and take their place. 
right now, I don't think they have that. Their forward depth is a little bit suspect. Mm-hmm. So, um, obviously, bringing in a guy like Thomas Flegler next season is going to help immensely in that regard. Uh-huh. But I think, as much as it's easy to say it, I feel like they need to go on a little bit of a raid of Broncos to try and lure some forwards who might be stuck behind the likes of Xavier Willison, the likes of Benjamin Sakura, the likes of Logan bayless Brow, and just go and say, hey, do you want to come and try and have a chance at the Dolphins? Are you going to accuse them of poaching? Only if they go for one of those three players I mentioned. <laughs> Had to ask. Had to ask. <laughs> if, um... if they go for a young player I want to keep, then it's poaching. Yeah, of course. So if they went for Blake Moser, then it's definite no. no. no they're def- definitely poaching. I would be marching down to Redcliffe and getting into a fight with Bennett. Just dress up in an NRL polo shirt and be like, FBI, open up! <laughs> <laughs> we just want to check the books. <laughs> uh, anything else on this game before we move on to uh, Rabbits and Sharks? Uh, no, I think we're good to go. Let's get on there then. Cronulla 26, South 16. Uh, little did you know in Cronulla that all you had to do was get rid of Ronaldo Molotalo, plug in a player that 90% of the, ham- the fan base hated before this game, and also put Ken Barbie doll on the bench. <laughs> oh, I was going to say that all they had to do was move to first, and maybe they should do that permanently. Um, but that's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Let's talk about the game for the Sharks. Uh, much better. Harati outstanding on the wing. I thought he was quite good. Took some hard carries out of yardage. Sione Katoa sent Latrell's um, ankles back via the Indian Pacific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it. Same day shipping. Uh, no, the Indian Pacific isn't that fast. It's a it's a very <laughs> slow train journey. Uh, maybe next day. Maybe, but um, we need to make a shooting stars meme for Latrell. We got to do it. Uh, oh, actually, we'll talk about this now. What do you make of the non-effort to turn and chase after getting stepped? Obviously. But at the same time, you know, how it's in that position. Yeah, at least um, just, but at least just turn and so, chase. Like, yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to I think get the, there. I think the fact he took his mouth guard out before he even crossed the ten meter line, uh, mm-hmm. a little, little bit. So, but obviously, he was upset with his outside backs because they didn't give him any support down the sideline. He had to basically sort of hedge his bets on trying to meet Katoa in the middle and Katoa knew that and was able to step inside. So I can yeah. understand if he I can understand if he's frustrated uh, with his winger and his centre in that situation but play to the end of the play. Exactly. Uh, Connor Tracy at full back. I didn't think he was too bad. He did what he had to do. Uh, was very, very solid. Obviously, there's the argument that Nico Hyde, the fullback, would be a lot more dynamic. But 
at the same time, putting Nico Hines at fullback takes away from Nico Hines at halfback. So it has to sort of balance out in that situation. Uh, in that regard, I think I'm personally really happy with Connor Tracy at fullback, like I said. Didn't really put a foot wrong all game. Um, so, yeah, if the Sharks can just get 80 minutes of consistent fullback play from Connor Tracy, I'm sure they, you know, obviously they have a lot of other issues to worry about right now. But yeah. that's going to be one less. 99 problems for the fullback game one. Ken McKinnis still topped the tackle count but had to make 40 less than he did last week, making 43 tackles. Um, but I thought their attitude after halftime was quite impressive. Braden Trindle in particular, that great individual second uh, first try he scored after halftime. Then there was a bit of kickball action in the um, try line at the end of that. You had there was a bit of kickball, kick line break before Braden Trindle got on the end of it for 26 nil. Yeah. Um, just a little, you know, happens sometimes. It's a bit of a messy try. But... Then you had um, Souths go ballistic in the final 15 minutes with some plays. Uh, Alex Johnston got another try closer to uh, Billy Slater. Ilias crossed, Isaiah Tass crossed. And then I think Bulldogs fans were having some PTSD when they saw Talis Duncan break through off the kickoff. <laughs> yeah. Um, How good's he look? He has been amazing for them since he came, since he broke through, hasn't he? What a revelation. What a revelation. He's been very good. I've had South. I know him coming through as a Roosters Junior, as a Chloe Croc. Great guy. A lot of effort. We got to see a lot more from Talos than we had in recent weeks, playing 36 minutes. Of course, Jai Arrow failed to get past the 30-minute mark with those back spasms. Another injury in South Sydney's middle, which doesn't help them. Um, I'm just going to say, I feel sorry for Tyrone Munro. Why is that? Young kid, tried his absolute heart out, and just a couple of moments didn't go his way. It's a tough one. It feels like in a way, still sort of living off that debut. Those first couple of games. But you yeah. get the, from what I'm told from people at South Sydney, you get the good and then you get this. Yeah. Um, um, one more yeah. thing we've got to touch on. Tom Burgess, high shot. That should have been a send-off. Yeah. Adam G, mate, you should have told our boy Toddy to raise the finger. Again, it's just the consistency, you know, game on game, day on day, week on week. There's no consistency with the referees in the RL right now. What's Adam's excuse going to be tomorrow? What is this going to be like? Oh, each tackle is different. Uh, people are making out that it's just error by the bunker. Sorry? I think, I think there's more chance of him turning around and saying, that the first two tackles of the weekend weren't actually send off offences and the bunker was too aggressive on them. Then to no. turn around and say they turn around and say the bunker was wrong with the with the Burgess incident. I, I think that's a send off. I think that's a send off. Yeah, I agree. I bet I think what we are seeing in the last few weeks in particular, the overreaction to uh under 
dealt incidents of foul play. And I look at Regan Campbell-Gillard. I look at even potentially Val Holmes as one on Jaden Campbell. Could have been a send-off offence on last Sunday. Those yeah, are the ones exactly. I'm looking at. Exactly. Just, um, yeah, just consistency. Yeah. Uh, anything else on this one before we move on to Sunday footy? Um, no, I think we're good to go. Good to go. So am I. Eels 26, Dragons 20. Uh, Makali Rabawala did four tries, but still could not get the Dragons home. They had a 20 to 10 lead before a controversial moment went against the Dragons. Jacob Little was ruled to have lost the ball. But for mine, and you can vouch against me, if Guffo's hands are not on the ball attempting to rake out and stop the try, then you are a Dutch astronaut. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, uh, it's a tough one. Like what? It is a tough one. Like, I get the argument that, oh, he's trying to stop and make a tackle, but at the same time, the way his arm comes off the ball, it's a raking motion. Yes, I, I agree with that. I, I think it is a right motion, but the question is, how close is it to being an active score? Because that's the grey area. It's still a one-on-one strip regardless. It's play-on regardless. If it's in the active scoring, it cancels a loose carry, doesn't it? And that makes it a knock-on. No, no. What it, what it can happen is, if it's in the active scoring, that just means you can have multiple in the tackle. Yeah, I understand that, but it's still if it's still I, a strip within the act of scoring and the ball no, comes cause, out. No, because if you if you strip the ball over when a player is going for the try, you strip a ball over the line and you hold it, and it's the end of the play. It's a twenty meter restart for a knock on. Let's have a look at this stripped in the act of scoring NRL. Let's take a look at the rules and interpretations here on stripping of the ball. <laughs> Where is it? Stealing of the ball is deemed dangerous to occur if a player in terms of attempt to strip the ball. Incidental contact with the ball. Oh, no, I need to look at the international rules. Hang on a moment. International rules. 2022. I'm, I'm being serious here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I understand. I'm just giving my interpretation that from the way I look, if a player is attempting to score, it's a loose carry. I do not care about the rules and equipment. Here we go. Um, uh, one on... No, not that one. Fucking International Rugby League is so stupid. Here we go. I think I have found it. So when it comes to stripping the ball, the ball coming loose refers to when in the stripping motion, a player does not lose possession as this rake from their grasp. If the team then recollects possession, it is a restart of tackle count. 
and it should have been a try to the Dragons. Okay, okay. Fair enough, if that's what you're going to say. Fair enough. Like, I want to get up, and I hope that the audio on this works. James Graham lost his mind on Triple M this afternoon. And it deserves to be played for our listeners. Because I think he might have lost his collective Wait, mind today. Pardon? <laughs> I'm also going to see if there's any intent to strip here. So you think, oh, looking? Are you joking, sir? No. I could feel it. Robertson's hand is on top of the ball and goes down. Of course he's stripping the ball. It was like he was pulling the chain on the old toilets. Fuck, I love Jabba. <laughs> Jamaica Jamma. Yeah, I haven't seen James Graham that animated since uh, Good Friday. I remember in 2020, last year, after the Tigers debacle, someone has gone up to Townsville with a balaclava a sign of shotgun <laughs> and rob the Tigers at two points, Dan. <laughs> but he again, is a showman. I love Jammer. Get him on Fox League. He just speaks his mind. I love him. And he knows the game, too. That's the best part. It's not like he just says stuff for the sake of saying stuff. He knows what he's talking about. But from there, Parramatta picked up three tries in the space of 12 minutes to seal victory after scoring the opening two tries in the space of the first uh, 15 minutes of the game, including one to debutant Arthur Miller-Steven, who had a bit of a mixed bag afternoon, having to go up against Bakali Rabawala. Talk about a bit of baptism of fire for the young lad. <laughs> yeah, the frying pan into the fire for that one. Yeah, they ended up switching him with Sean Russell in the um, second half because it was just one-way annihilation. Mm. But... Dylan Brown, he returned. Apparently, according to our friend Vic, who was at the game, he got one of the loudest cheers at the game. Stay classy, Parramatta. Stay classy. Considering his past, Parramatta, not a good move. I can understand the idea of separating the um, arts from the artists, but... Yeah, that is a ugly look. Yeah. Um, speaking of things that aren't ugly and also back in good taste, what about the Cardi party? Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. One magnifique, that is. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> We're back with the Cardi party, let me tell you. Uh, a try assist, a double. Hang on, did I get the row? No, I was talking about fucking Madison. A line break, two tries. <laughs> Good start from oh, yeah. <laughs> Rude. Yeah. Yeah, just he's really found himself uh, in his Parramatta side. 
been excellent to see. Obviously, you know, we all know that magical season at Penrith, and then he just never really got back to that form since then. Um, but it's great to see him, you know, back from joining his footy and back to impacting games in the way we know Bryce Cartwright can. Yeah, um, Ryan Carr was very pissed off in the post-match press conference. He said he wasn't sure whether to laugh or cry, challenging the officials to be held accountable and face questions of the media. I have to do a press conference and you ask me, but I don't know what the answer is, so maybe they should answer the questions for you so everyone in the whole world can understand why that wasn't a try. You Google strip and it's hand on ball, strips on the ball and it's play on. It's a try every day of the week. Oh, there you go. Again, Ryan Carr speaking his mind. That's not the first time he's done that this season. Uh, Ryan Carwin asked if he wanted to set, take it up with Graham Annesley. He's like, not really. But like I said, maybe get them down and get the people who ruled it no try to come here and sit here where I'm sitting and answer these questions because I'm trying to answer it and I don't have the answer. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, Much, I, I tend to agree. I don't understand what, what reporters expect when they ask coaches, what are your thoughts on this decision that went against your team? Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially when they're... And, like, I've said how much of a farce Graham Annesley is at his job. I've written articles about it endlessly now. And I sit here and I try and defend referees and say stuff and make sure that we're not just ref bashers. But I'm literally at a point now. We'll touch on the next game as well. I don't know how to fix the ref problem anymore. I, I do not know how. I I would used to say, bring in the young guys to have a go. But I've been watching a lot of NRLW. They're still a lot, respectfully, a long way away from being ready. Yeah. Um... Like, your Todd Smiths to come around only at once in a blue moon when they rise through and stay consistent. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a dilemma for the NRL that they have to really work through. Uh, like you said, I don't, there's not one quick fix uh, for what the NRL can do to fix the referee. But back and do nothing. Blurring as an issue. The worst it's going to get. And as I said on Twitter tonight, we're four rounds away from the semifinals. Four. Just let that sink in thing, at home. Another thing. have to bow out of the finals because of a refereeing error, especially with a competition as tight as this season has been. Man, I don't know how the NRL recovers from that. Let's move on. Uh, Raiders 22, Tigers 18. The officiating debacles don't come away from us. Tim Sheens has been very angry at the referees in his post-match press conference. And I feel sorry for the Tigers as well. Like, they were really good today. Ricky Stewart's also had a go at his own team in the presser. We'll get up his remarks in a moment. But, Reese, it was a very interesting sort of a game, wasn't it? Yeah, the Raiders really never, they, they had well, they had control. They had the ten point lead two times, but they never could really just 
take advantage of, you know, that advantage and just press on and build a bigger lead. Uh, not really what we've seen from the Raiders these last few weeks. Usually we've seen them be able to come up close game, but usually the Raiders have been able to build a lead and keep it. They weren't able to do that today. 65% completion rate too. That Not is pretty reading at all. Fifteen, sorry, fourteen errors. A lot of elementary shit in the first half too. Like that was some worrying football. I just read a quote from Ricky Stewart today. He, um, they're likely to be about Seb Chris. He did a hammy. Nick Kotrick also failed a HIA, and Jack Wyden might have some things to worry about the judiciary with that high shot on Stafford Tower. Mm, yeah. So Ricky went on to say, our biggest enemy is us. You're not going to get to your standard when you're four out of 10. And that's what happened with our completion rate. We couldn't now the opportunity that was being presented to us. If you don't take opportunities in the first half, I had three middles playing to center. It was a massive errant effort defensively. Yeah. And I can agree with that. I think I agree there was, yeah. Uh, the Raiders really shot themselves in the foot, unfortunately. I, I think they're very lucky to be able to come away with this win. If they didn't come away with this win, there would be a lot of questions asked. I still think there's questions that should be asked. Like, just because they won today, like, I don't think... Like, if you come up... If they come up against any team, maybe with the exception of Cronulla in week one of the finals, they're getting laughed out of town on that performance. Let's, let's see what they... Let's see what they do against Melbourne. Obviously, that will be the litmus test. On the Tigers? They can... Yeah. I feel so sorry for them. Like, again, they played well today. Just a couple of little execution things, and that's what happens when you're last on the ladder. Just a bit of execution goes against you. Uh, not a lot of confidence in the joint, and it just doesn't go your way. And I Just a couple of effort plays... Summed it up for me today. David Nofaluma, did you see that play where Nofaluma stood still at marker and let Wyden run upfield 30 metres? Yes, I did see that. I, I genuinely don't think Nofaluma should play another NRL game. Like, that is piss poor. That's why I called it out. Like, I'm just like, if not, if I did, if I did what David Nofaluma did, stood still and gave up a big thing at work... I'd be fired. Yeah. I'd be put into a monitor role because I like some people. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah, like, seriously, Nofa. Clemmer was good. Papali'i was good. Bateman was good. Pole was good. I saw some good signs out of young Madame Miller in the middle as well today. Uh, but uh, a lot of conjecture surrounding a forward pass. To Sebastian Chris in the forty-fourth. Oh, sorry for this Chris try in the forty-fourth minute. What did you make of that one? Pretty fucking forward. Great, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was watching. Yeah, um, uh, I know the NRL want to go to Vegas, and they've probably been inspired by Jimmy G throwing some daggers. <laughs> But I'll read you some quotes from Tim Shanks. Uh, he'll be asking for a please explain, as I do every week. 
He says, I was pretty disappointed with a few of our occasions. I've got to like, congratulate Rick for coaching that didn't give away one extra set of six, according to our statistician. So good coaching. Let's just check those stats quickly. And note, they did not give away a six again. The first trial is a bit disappointing. Going, sorry? Yeah, Rangers must have been per- absolutely perfect in the ruck then. Uh, just to let you know who the referee was, it was your mate Peter Goff. Oh, of course it fucking was. Of course I, sw- was. The, I think he's the worst ref in the comp. I agree. I agree. It's either he or Ben Cummins, and I only say Ben Cummins because I think he's gone for a season too long. Yeah. Uh, I, I, agree. I agree with that completely. Sheens went on to say there are a couple, at least one in the second half in the first try that lead up pass. Looking at it all, I was pretty unhappy with. So it's something I'll take up with the referees as I do every week. Mm. You feel for you feel for the Tigers. Like, I kind of feel that teams, like in this situation with the Tigers, it's just like touchdown passes are allowed. Well, you think about it, both games against the Raiders have, you know, been pretty contentious for the Tigers. Those games turn around, the 50-50 calls go the other way, and all of a sudden, that's the difference between them, that could be the difference between them not getting the wooden spoon. Oh, that's right. I I forgot about that first one. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that would have put them on a tie for 16 points if those two games went their way. Exactly. And... All of a sudden, they and the Dragons are duking it out for the spoon. But let's just take a look at the ladder. At the completion of round 23, Pedriff on top on 36, followed by Brisbane. The Wires on 32. Storm on 30. Raiders 30. Sharks 28. Knights 27. Rabbits 26. That's the top eight. Bottom eight. Parramatta 26. Cows 26. Manly 25. Roosters 24. Titans 22. Dolphins 22. Canterbury 20. Uh, Dragons 16, Tigers 12. Uh, looking at to next week's matches, Thursday night, you've got Manly and Penrith. Friday, 6pm, Sharks, Titans. 8pm from Fraggle Rock, the Gabba, Broncos, Eels. Is that your last Fraggle Rock match? That's the last Fraggle Rock, Rock game, yeah. Uh, Sunday's a bit of a rural road trip. We're out of Barlow Park, Cairns, first of all, 3pm. Uh, South Dragons. Then we're off to FNG Stadium, Waiketo in Hamilton. Tigers taking on the Waz. Then you've got 7.30, the Roosters-Dolphins match from Alliance in the Artie Beats and Legacy Memorial match. Uh, 2 p.m. Sunday, Storm Raiders. Sunday, uh, Newcastle-Canterbury. So some interesting matches to look forward to next week, my friend. Exactly. Uh, looking at NRLW, round three, Roosters 30, Dragons nil. Uh, disappointing performance from the Dragons in this one, although Alexis Tarnui was outstanding, Isabel Kelly likewise for the Roosters. And we saw the emergence of Amelia Pasakala for the Roosters in that back row spot. She looks an absolute beast. She had 11 tackle breaks from her eight runs. Yeah. It's interesting to see a couple of the girls this year really, really solid, really making a lot of tackle breaks. It's great to see how the game has evolved to include those types of impact runners that we might not have seen in the first couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, Roosters have overcome that loss of Amber Hall a lot better than I thought, too, on that edge. 
Um, Millie Boyle outstanding, 181 metres. Corbin Baxter looking better and better every week post-return. Uh, Broncos 40, Cowboys 12. Speaking of damaging runners of the football, Mele Hufunga. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> right. She was phenomenal. Yeah, tied the NRLW try scoring record with Selena Simon from the inaugural season. 14 tackle breaks for Melee. Just Cowboys just did not have an answer for her. No, they did not. So Solker, <laughs> I thought, was good on the wing. Also, a good story for Tony Hunt on the wing, your winger. Uh, first game back, I think she had. Uh, let me have a look so I get this right. She was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer. And this is her first game back and she picked up a try. Yes. Love to see it. That's what Sarah Kells is made of. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure I got my facts right before repeating the story. Um, for the Cowboys, uh, I just had no answer. As you mentioned, it was 18-12 at halftime. But they just struggled, I thought. France Goldthorpe, the fullback from England, was outstanding. Kira Dib tried a little hard out. Uh, they lost Tiana Ratchford and Smith early. But as you mentioned, my friend, they just had no answers. Yeah, exactly. It was, you know, probably a little bit of a letdown. I thought the Cowboys would try to step up for this rivalry game. But for the Broncos, obviously, those first two losses have really brought that team down to, and I think now they're ready to fight for that place in the finals that they think they deserve. Uh, Titans 10, Sharks 8. I didn't expect the Titans to be undefeated through three weeks, but after the Sharks led 8-0 early, the Titans picked up two late tries to seal a victory. The big highlight for Sharks fans was Savo Dan finally meeting Matty Statham. <laughs> that time. <laughs> but I thought the Sharks, they should have won that game. They led 8-0 at halftime. They blew a couple of late opportunities. And according to Dan... Uh, the Zach Efron lookalike referee was poor. Knights 38, Eels 4. Uh, this game was marred by the sending off of Kennedy Charrington for an awful looking spear tackle. Uh, she was going to be on the sideline for quite some time, I feel, unfortunately. Uh, good play-up, but just got that tackle horribly wrong. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know probably still be looking at Ash Werner only getting those two games, but maybe she can only get a couple as well. But it was a very, very ugly tackle. Uh, Newcastle picked up four tries in the send-off period to seal an emphatic victory there this afternoon. Elsewhere, Raiders 28, uh, Tigers 22. Leanne Tafunga picked up a hat-trick for the Tigers in a losing effort. Kezi Apps was also quite strong, picking up a try, keeping the Tigers in it. Uh, for the Raiders, Samaya Taufa shook off that uh, awful-looking leg injury from last week. English import Holly May Dodd picked up a try in her first match. Um, but the Raiders, they're now two wins on the trot after what was a slow start. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the top four race is really looking like it's going to be very, very fun. Obviously, you've got the Titans who are undefeated. The Roosters are going to be up there, as we all expect. Uh, the Broncos are probably going to be coming home with a wet sail. 
and then all the other teams, the Raiders, you know, the Tigers. It's going to be very fun to watch. The Knights as well. So just looking, yeah, looking at the ladder, Titans on top on six, then it's the Knights, Roosters, Tigers rounding out the top four. Raiders in fifth, then it's the Broncos, Sharks, Dragons, Cowboys, yet to taste victory, uh, lowly Parramatta. Next week's matches, real quick, uh, Saturday. We're kicking off on Saturday this week, 11 o'clock. Dragons, Raiders, 12.50. Cowboys, Tigers, 3.10. Broncos, Eels, those are all Saturday matches. Sunday matches, Sharks, Roosters from 12. And then it's the Knights and the Titans from 1.50 from McDonald Jones Stadium. That'll be round four of the NRL Women's Premiership. Lovely. Indeed. Uh, lower grade report. We're kicking off in New South Wales Cup led. Warriors 26, Panthers 14. A bit of an upset in this one. For the Warriors, Freddie Lussick made 42 tackles. Setu two ran for 205 metres, picking up a try. The Warriors picked up three tries in about 20 minutes in the second half to seal victory. For the Panthers, uh, Jesse McLean made two line breaks out of position at centre. Also picked up a try. Uh, Matt Stimson was quite strong there as well. The Warriors now move within five points of North Sydney. So things hotting up there. Uh, North Sydney 54, Knights 14. Bit of a heavy hit there. Junior Pauga picked up a double. Jesse Marshke picked up a double. Ben Marshke scored. Uh, just one-way traffic. And Jake Turpin got Simbin Reese. Oh, no. Anyway. It was only professional foul. <laughs> and it said he ran the ball here 26 times. That can't be right. <laughs> Turps never runs the ball. <laughs> <laughs> no. All jokes aside, Jake. Uh, some good stuff here. Um, Kieran Heyman did leave with a hamstring injury. He's been playing out at centre for Norths this year. We do have adequate cover, so that's okay. Raiders 28, Magpies 22. Uh, Raiders led 18-4 at halftime. Uh, some good play in this game. We saw the debut of the Young Tigers pathway player, uh, Kits Lappy. He has played with – he was part of the under-17s under Magpie side last year that went through undefeated, Reese. Yeah. Uh 11 runs, 104 metres, and he set up a try in his first game. Not bad. Yeah, some good signs there. Uh, Josh Allen left the field injured with a shoulder injury, while Magpies captain Ruat Nakakata was also assisted from the field. The win for the Raiders sees them still have a chance of playing finals footy. Just one win outside the top five. Uh, the match ceiling try was scored by James Schiller. In the 70th minute, Trey Mooney ran for 187 metres. Uh, so some good signs there for the Raiders. Uh, South 32, Newtown 16. Uh, a bit of an upset here in this one. Uh, despite wet conditions, uh, both sides played really well in attack and defence. Uh, Jaden Beryl scored two tries early for the Jets, but they failed to keep the momentum, dropping to their third straight defeat. With three rounds remaining in that top five battle, uh, Daniel Saluka Fafita ran for 199 meters for Souths. Tom Rodwell did 205 meters for the Jets. Uh, 
Bit of an interesting one with Newtown. They've just announced, of course, that that deal is extending for another three years. Some fans have been a bit unhappy with the way the Newtown thing's gone this year as far as player swapping has been going. So be interesting to see how that one fares out next year. Yeah, definitely. I wonder if it's going to be a bit more streamlined than perhaps it has been the last couple of years. Maybe a couple of players able to stay in Newtown instead of having to go to the Sharks games and not play. Yeah. Uh, Parramatta 44, Dragons 28. Uh, first and foremost, before we talk about the game, a uh, big shout-out to friend of the show, Lockie Blackburn. He made his New South Wales Cup debut today. Uh, big congratulations, Blackers. You played well from all reports. Picked up a try as well. Good shit. Yeah, exactly. Love to see it. Dommy's boy. Know him well. He's a good guy. Really proud of the way he played. Uh, Brendan Hands went back. He set up two tries. Good long kicking game. Uh, Dragon center Sabilo Tamale scored four tries. Look. Jeez, okay. In a losing effort, New South Wales under-19s prospect as well, I might add. Great player. Great player. Yeah. No stats in for that one yet. Uh, Blacktown 28, Roosters 18. Latu Fine, who picked up a double. Uh, a bit of a spiteful game from reports of Roosters trainer was sent from the field and Morgan Harper placed on report for an incident. So it'd be interesting to see what uh, happened there. At the there. same time. Yeah, Jackson Ferris was awarded a penalty try. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, uh, for the Roosters, Jackson Paulo picked up a try. Joe Tapari and Ethan Clark would scored. But the storyline is, was uh, the fine new brothers played really well. Two tries, two try assists and strong defense between them. Uh, bad news for the Roosters. Uh, Captain Ethan King went off with a suspected serious lower leg injury. And it's been a horror year for Ethan. So hopefully the injury is not too serious. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, looking at the ladder at the completion of round 20. Uh, what round was it? Was it round 23? Round 23. Uh, North's on top on 34. Then it's the Warriors. Rears and Bulldogs on 29. Blacktown and South's on 28. Newtown and Canberra on 27. Penrith 26. St. George and Parramatta 21. West's 20, Newcastle 18, and the Roosters on 14 points. Uh, looking at the Host Plus Cup, uh, we're going to kick off with the Falcons-Jets game. All eyes on Ryan Pappenhausen. He got through a mountain of work in 40 minutes of play. Um, really important for the Sunshine Coast Falcons. Played, contributed six points, had a try assist, uh, ran the ball a, couple, uh, a few times out of dummy half. And he ran for just under. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Very, very solid game. And to contrary belief, Ipswich were competitive. It was only 24-10 the final score. Yep. Good on Ipswich. Having a crack. Let me tell you. Uh, Hunters 26, Dolphins 22. This is a bit of an upset. A late try to Benji Cott in the 76-minute sealed victory. Uh, no stats in for this game. But that's quite bizarre. Normally they're in. Uh, but Benji Cott and Brendan Byer were simbined. Uh, Solo Wane picked up a double. 
Uh, Dolphins let the lead slip at the end of the game in what I've been told was a disappointing display. Uh, Clydesdale's 42, Devils 34. Jordan Lip and Meliano Finaganafo picked up doubles. Uh, Bessie Tamunga kicking five goals for the Devils. Jonathan Rubin picked up a double and was also simbent. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Capra's 44, Blackhawks 22. Uh, Trey Brown and Edric Lee traded doubles. Bulls Edric Lee also had a field day running the football. He ran for, where is it? Scroll, you good thing. Thank you. Uh, he ran for just over 100 metres. Uh, JJ Collins ran for 176. Nixon put ran for 153. He's off to Castle for next year, as we touched on a couple of times. For the Blackhawks, Ben Hampton is still playing in Q Cup. Jesus. So Drew Gouin ran for 104 metres. Ben Hampton went back at 116 metres. Shibasaki was well down on last year's season. Hi, Reese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robert Darby 136 metres as well Riley Price off to Pendriff next year some good stuff from him Jack Georgievsky returned from his high tackle suspension running for over 100 metres uh, you'll be disappointed with this one Reese. Tigers 26, Magpies 24 oh no it gets even better when you read out this team list and you see who started and who was on the bench Don't tell me. Just guess. I'm going to say Moser was benched for Corey Pace. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, <laughs> no. Disgusting. To be fair, when Moser came on at the 29th minute, it was already 20 to 6 down. And he came oh, off, yeah. and he came off when the score was twenty six eighteen. They scored a further try in the second half when he was off, but they were unable to run it down. Uh-oh. Yeah. Elsewhere, uh, Burley thirty five, Winner Manly six. Tony Francis ran for two hundred fourteen meters. Pat Politoni uh, made fifty six tackles. Uh, Deloise Hoyter ran for a line break. Didn't score the try, but he had over 179 metres. So some good stuff there from him. Yeah. Uh, any other questions from the lower grades, my friend, while we're talking? Um. Well, I guess we've got to talk about Pappenhausen. Yeah. I thought I was watching a bit of the game. He was good. I... Who does Sunshine Coast have next week? Let me just look quickly who the Sunshine Coast Falcons play next week. They have the Devils next week at Bishop Park. I wouldn't be against playing him again. Just to get some more reps in. You want to try and aim for that 80 minutes in reserves before you get near first grade. That's just my personal opinion. I agree. I agree. Especially considering how long he hasn't played as well. I'd be wanting to see 80 minutes at cup before even considering naming in firsts. Okay. 
I agree. Uh, looking at the ladder of the Host Plus Cup at the completion of round 20, only two rounds to go before finals in that competition. Let me just check. Is it a top eight in the Q Cup? I'm pretty sure it is. I, I, I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. Yeah. So looking at the ladder at the completion of that competition, we have – oh, not the completion of that. It is a top eight, yeah. So South Logan 32, Burley 31, Brisbane Tigers 29, Winner Manly 28, Capris 28, Delphins 27, Tweed 24, Pride 24. Oh, we need to talk about the Pride game. Shit. Fuck. <laughs> the one time – sorry, let's do this now. Pride 34, Seagulls 24, Ewan Moore picked up a hat-trick. Uh, Will Partridge in a pantry ran for the most metres, 178. Yes, in. Um, Tremaine Spry had two line breaks. Joe Vuna was – he had six runs in 39 minutes. Cruz Landing was okay off the bench. And their prop forward, Luke Burden, was simbed in for descent. All right, fair enough. So, yes, the Pride are in the eight. Outside the eight, Falcons 23, Towns, Blackhawks, Hunters 21, Devils 20, Clydesdales 10, Cutters 8, Jets on 2. If they end the season winless, I will laugh. With that 24 points they conceded against Sunshine Coast, they've now conceded 800 points for the year. Oh, that hurts. Okay. Oh, AJ? Hey, hang on a sec, AJ. Yes? Um, so the Women's World Cup for the final match is going or when it's a team match going on, America versus Sweden. That is their penalty shootout. America have just missed in the Southern Death. So Sweden could, knock, Sweden could knock America out right now. I'm going to seven plus. <laughs> oh my god! Seven, mate. I know it's oh my seven, god! Mate. Why am I so nervous to get this certification to Sweden? I don't even support them. I'm an Aussie through and through. Come on, come on, Sweden! Come on, Sweden! Just take the penalty. It's not hard. Come on. <laughs> Come on. We're riding this one home. Come on. Sweden. Here we go. Sweden. Oh, no. I'm up to the US penalty. Okay. Okay. We'll just go from there. But I'm watching it live. We're going to do our low cow of the week. <laughs> do you move? No. <laughs> Oh, I've just seen the penalty that missed it. Hit the post. <laughs> yes. So, my... My low cow... My low cow of the week comes from the World University Games in China. Okay, go ahead. Have you heard about this? No, I haven't actually. So, Somalia entered a 20-year-old in the 100-metre sprint. Normally, it takes about 12 seconds to run the 100-metre sprint. You want to know how long she took? How long? Over 20 seconds. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) 
Here she, here she comes with the penalty. It is saved. <laughs> I think it's saved. It, she had two goes at it. It's going to VAR. <laughs> Reese, I think it's over. What do you have? My low cow. I am putting it on to well, Team America for getting knocked out of the round of 16. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gone in. No. Yes. <laughs> Game over, they've gone. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, that's just changed everything for the Tillies, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, my actual lol cow of the week, it's going to be um, it, from the NFL. It's every Packers fan who thinks that Jordan Love throwing some preseason passes means he's magically become the next Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Are you sure Brad White hasn't hogged your DMs? <laughs> Look, I'm calling it now. He is not that guy. <laughs> he is not that guy. Yeah. Reese, mate, that is going to wrap us up. What a fun episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's up Lovely. there. Lovely. tell you. That's up there. Lovely. Uh, thank you for having me on this magical, wonderful mystery ride, AJ. It was a real mystery. We'll catch you next week for our look at round 24. Take care, everyone. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. A quick look ahead at Supercoach before we end the episode. Uh, it was a big week for our Supercoach League. Uh, we kicked off our finals this week. Uh, a big congratulations to the top four, eight teams in our comp that made it through so just looking at our final series as things stood uh a big congratulations to all the teams that made it uh massive massive achievement uh so first v4 we had anthony taking on pete the way things have stood in the matchups this week uh a bit of an upset pete has defeated anthony so Pete will advance through to the prelim finals. Reese has knocked out Will in the first of our elimination finals, while Dorian has done likewise to Maxim. Uh, in our second v third match, it was a win to Dylan over Michael. A big congratulations to this week's top scorer, who was East Beatson 11. Sean, a massive congratulations to you on what was an exciting week for so many Supercoach watchers. I remembered just as I was editing the episode that we forgot to talk about that and acknowledge it. Uh, Reese uh, did the loop. Sean Johnson, 298 points in a monster effort for him. A couple of duds, as he said, like he, Jake Simka with nine points. Uh, Rocco Berry with 29. Did rue him, but he was very happy with his squad this week as he bloody well should be getting 1,335. He did better than me, let me tell you. I was stuck on 1,165. Still managed to win one of my matchups. I did captain Mitch Moses, 60 points in total. That's a bit of a misfire. And I had Joey Manu sitting there with 97, Hines with a ton. Live to regret some mistakes in Supercoach, let me tell you. But it is what it is in Supercoach land.